There's this famous book. There's this famous book that many people have read. Uh, many times it's read in history courses. Some schools have it as a required reading. Some people may have heard of this book. Tell me if you've heard of this book. It's called The Art of War. Anybody? Anybody? Oh, all right, all right, all right, all right. I see who my soldiers are right there. All right, all right, good, good stuff, good stuff. The Art of War. In this book, the author, right, Sun Tzu says, if you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the results of a hundred battles. If you know yourself, but not the enemy, for every victory gained, you will also suffer defeat. If you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb, which means fail, in every battle. If you guys don't know who Sun Tzu was, Sun Tzu was an ancient Chinese general known for his brilliant mind when it came to military strategies. He won many battles and not by even, some not even by fighting. He won many by just using his mind, using his brain, strategy, and, 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 and the way, you know, um, and studying his enemy, knowing who he was and knowing who his enemy was. Very important. Last week, we introduced the series titled The Battle. The battle. We are in a battle. We are in a war. And if you're here for the first time, don't get scared. I'll, I'll recap a little. But the thing is, uh, we're in a war and you don't have a choice. <laughs> you don't have a choice of being in it or not. We spoke about how this war began and we took it back before creation. We took it back to the heavens when Lucifer was Lucifer before he became Satan. We talked about how pride uh, entered Satan. We talked about how he was casted out. We talked about how not only him, but his, his followers also were casted out. And since that moment, there was a war, a spiritual war. We talked about um, the need to understand that you have to make a choice. Whose side are you fighting on? And many of us had to take that in and, and really reflect on that last week. Because we say one thing from our mouth, but our lifestyles, our heart, determines something else. We can say that we're fighting with the Lord, but then everything that we do, our actions, our thoughts, and our heart show that we're actually against him. And sometimes that's not easy to swallow because, God forbid, I would never say I'm against God. But how we are living our lives show that we are. So it was a moment to honestly reflect and saying, where am I in my walk with God? Am I truly serving him? Because if the answer was no, then as I mentioned last week, you you, you're stuck in this battle. Like, you don't have a choice to watch from the, from the sidelines. So if, if the answer is no, you're not serving him, then you're against him. You're against him. So we took a look at needing to know ourselves last week. And as Sun Tzu said, 
it's not enough to just know yourself, but also we need to know who our enemy is. And so as we continue in this series today, we're going to go into part two of the battle, and we're going to be taking a look at our enemy. We're going to study our enemy, and we're going to learn by studying our enemy how to overcome our enemy, and let's see how much we can get through today. If not, we'll just take it up next week. You guys good with that? All right. All right. Many people say we're entering into spiritual warfare, right? Or, you know, I've heard this. Some people say, especially, you know, especially like the, the really uh, uh, anxious to get into, you know, that, that spiritual battle. They'll say, we're about to have some spiritual warfare. Do you know that both statements are incorrect? They're incorrect because we, cannot, we can't start to have spiritual warfare. We're not gonna, going to have spiritual warfare. We are in spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare began the day that you were born. And it will end the day that you... Because the time in between is the battle for your soul. From the day you were born... To the day that you die, there is a battle for your soul. So you're already in this war. Some people were like, but I'm not a fighter, I'm a lover. It's too late. <laughs> too late. You in it. You better train up. The time of spiritual warfare is already here. As I mentioned, we don't have a choice. We are in enemy territory, and many of us don't even know it. So let me, let, let, me, let me open your eyes, because the thing is, if you do not know where you're at, it's a dangerous place to be. If you don't know your enemy, if you don't know your surroundings, if you don't realize that you're in enemy territory, we'll be ineffective as soldiers. We'll be ineffective in this war. You won't last a minute. You know, um, again, no, no, no shade. I'm not throwing shade at reservists. I think we need reservists. Reservists are very important in this country because it helps to back up the, the United States military. Um, but I'm going to tell you, when you're active duty, right, and, you're, and your whole life for these years is training, 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 and you go out on a training exercise and you have a mission to accomplish, or you go out to actual combat, and you have a mission to accomplish, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, they send this guy over with you. They send these people with you that don't know the enemy. They don't know the equipment. They don't know the terrain because they've only gone one weekend a month to a training center, and now they're standing by your side in the middle of a hostile environment. How many of you <laughs> would like that? You already have to deal with an enemy, and now you have to worry about carrying somebody and making sure they don't die because they're not prepared for this. It's kind of similar. It's kind of similar in the life that we live here. You know, back in World War II, many battles were fought by loading up a bunch of soldiers into these huge planes, right? We've been ha I think we've had C-130s. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, can, I, can I, guys? It's, it looks nice and cold. I got to... Perfect timing. Um, 
They would load these soldiers up into these planes, and we've had these uh, C-130s for like the longest of time, these big cargo planes. They can load jeeps in them. They can put people in them. These things are huge. The seats are against the wall, right? So they just like fold down, and you get to sit on them. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. It doesn't feel too good. If you're scared of turbulence, then you, you die in these things because turbulence is like, that, that's an understatement when you're flying in these things, right? But, the, but uh, they would load up, they would load the soldiers up in them. They would fly over enemy lines. This is a lot, a lot of the missions they've done in World War II. And they would drop, parachute these soldiers into enemy territory. One of the strategies for doing this is that when the fighting was intense in the front lines, right, and the, and the enemy had positioned a lot of their forces to, to keep the, the, you know, the arm, uh, us going in, by, by putting, dropping soldiers in enemy territory, it would cause the enemy to have to weaken their stance to then come and deal with this and this and this and that. We, when we were born, since day one, you guys were parachuted into enemy territory. John, 1 John 5.19 says this, We know we are children of God. And that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. The Bible is very clear about the world that we live in. So it shouldn't come as a surprise. It shouldn't be a surprise that this world, this whole world that we live in, is under the influence of Satan. It's under Satan's influence. It shouldn't surprise us, right? We were born, and we were instantly in enemy territory. Now, when we are born again, and, and let me just say, not just by you saying and repeating a prayer, even though I know that we, we say the salvation, you know, we, we say the prayer of salvation, things like that, but, but not just saying you're a Christian, because I, I, I kind of touched on that last week, on how, you know, you can just say it but not live it. But I'm talking about those that have truly accepted Christ, those that have realized I am worthless, I'm a sinner, I'm no good, I need Jesus in my life, I need a Savior, I need a Lord, and I'm going to do my part to submit to his word and discipline myself to follow his commands. That's a long list. We got to do all that. <gasps> ah. if, if you are a Christian and, and we are living in this manner, <laughs> then what happens is at that moment, you are commissioned to carry out the mission of God. So imagine this. Imagine being dropped into enemy territory, Right? And you're all by yourself, and let's just say you're a weakling. There's no weaklings here. There's no scrawny weaklings here in this church. We all gangsters, right? But, 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 imagine for a moment that you were scrawny, weak, you know, and you were scared, and you're walking around, and you're like, oh, I'm so scared, I'm so scared. And you're in enemy territory. You hear fighting over there, and you hear, like, the, the shooting, and you go over here, you hear shooting over here, and you walk away from it. You're trying to run. You're running from all danger in enemy territory. Now, imagine this. The second that you realize, I am no one. I can't do anything on my own. I need a Savior. I need a Lord. 
Then when you give your life to Christ, imagine in, in your head all of a sudden, right, especially like, you know, like the movies like Transformers and things like that or some, it's like all of a sudden, like you're real weak and puny. All of a sudden at that moment, you're like, muscles start popping out everywhere and you get all this. And, and now you're like this, this, this monstrous, dangerous individual. It don't matter if you're in enemy territory because guess what? Where the shooting is, you're like, oh, I'm there. Let's handle this. And you're walking around taking care of business. That's what happens when you give your life to Christ. That's what happens, that even though we're in enemy, because we are all in enemy territory, so you have a choice to be a, a scrawny, weak, scared individual in enemy territory, or you have an opportunity to partner up with someone that's going to guarantee you victory. It's that simple. It's that simple. I know we, we preach so much, but it's that simple. You have a choice. You could lose or you can win. And we only win with Jesus. It's simple. It's simple. All right, that's it. Good night. God bless. No, no. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13 says, All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive, uh, promise, uh, had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. I want to focus on that last sentence. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Did you know that we are visitors in this planet? Do you understand that even though we live in this planet, we hear, we eat, we drink, we sleep, that this is still not your home? You are on vacation here. And some of you guys are like, vacation? This vacation sucks. <laughs> but that's it. it, it it's, 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 it's a vacation that we are here temporarily. This is not our home. And the thing is, you guys, without having a choice, are on vacation in a war zone. That's like some of you guys going, you know what, let me just take vacation and go to, where's, in Somalia. Let me go, let me go on vacation to uh, Ukraine right now, right? The concept would be like, who would do that? Well, none of us would. We didn't have a choice. You are born into this war zone, and this is just a vacation. This is just temporary because this is not your home. Now, unfortunately... Unfortunately, much of the body of Christ, when I say that, I'm referring to churches, right? Much of the body of Christ, churches, especially in this part of the world, they, they we, have been lured, have been lured into a sense of peace and safety. Can I, can I, can I break that down for a minute? They've gotten comfortable. They've gotten to a place where, you know what, things are good. Let's not stir things up. You know, as long as we preach the nice things, as long as we just keep talking about, if we only talk about grace and love, if we only talk about grace and love, people will be happy. And everyone is comfortable. And everything is fine. You know what happens when you get comfortable? You put your weapons down. You put your weapons down. If you put your weapons down in a battle, guess what? <laughs> guess what? You may not last long. 
You put your weapons down and you, and you, and you put your guard down because you're comfortable. What happens is when we begin walking with God, if you ever get comfortable in your walk with God, listen, our entire walk with God should be a, a, a new experience, a new experience, a new, th- because the Bible even says that the angels, right? Come on, y'all don't want that. Y'all don't. The, the Bible even says that the angels, that when they go and they're praising around God, the Father, that the, every time they would come around, they would have like this new expression, like, oh my gosh, because they would see a new, a new, a new perspective or a new, uh, a newness of God that they had not seen before. And they're circling him and circling him and it's still something new and it's still something new. And these are the angels in heaven. We should never be comfortable in our walk with God. We should, we should be having wow moments every morning. Wow, God, thank you. Oh, my God, God, thank you. Wow, I can't believe it. Thank you. You're so good, God. Like our entire walk with God should be an experience of, yo, can you get any better than this? Oh, you did. Oh, my goodness. And then again and again and again. If we're not experiencing that, then you've gotten comfortable with what you already know. And get, if you're not experiencing that, that you've gotten comfortable with what you already know. And can I tell you something? Y'all don't know squat. I don't know squat. We will never know it all. There is so much more to learn about God. You should be learning about him until the day that you die. We get comfortable. We put down our guard. We're no longer on full alert. <laughs> when 9-11 happened, I remember that everything ch- I did not realize, first of all, how easy it was to get into a military. I thought it was just normal. Remember, I had joined the military, and I'm, you, know, you had the show ID, and all of a sudden, oh, if you didn't have a military ID, just go in and go to that building over there. You know, it was like that. When 9-11 happened, I realized anybody could have came on our bases and blew us up blown us up because it was so easy to get on. But once 9-11 happened, we were put on full alert, all military facilities. It was like getting into like Alcatraz. I work here. Can I get in, please? I remember having to get in. And the thing is, the lines to just get into, get into the base was ridiculous. But, and it wasn't just the ID. It was like checking this and checking that and, and then calling in. I mean, it was something, it was something where you realize now we are on full alert. Now we're paying attention. Paul talks about this. He warns us about this in 1 Thessalonians, Thessalonians 5, chapter, chapter 5, verse 3. It says, when people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall upon them as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begins, and there will be no escape. How many women have had kids here? Raise your hand. <laughs> So all y'all know, I don't know, but apparently you could be fine one second and all of a second, all of a sudden, like, oh, in pain, right? The Bible says that when we put our guard down, when you get comfortable, when you feel like, oh, there's no danger, all of a sudden disaster can fall upon you as suddenly as labor pains. You won't see it coming. You won't see it coming. All right, so let's understand some things as we continue to look at spiritual warfare. First, we, we need to understand that 
the main arena for the battlefield for this spiritual war is in our minds. Our minds are the battlefield. All right? There are some of us here that we struggle with our thoughts. We struggle with our feelings. We struggle with so much. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's because there is a war going on right now. Some of you guys right now, there's grenades going off. There's bombs exploding right now as you're sitting here. There is a war in our minds. 2 Corinthians 4, 3-4 says, If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil... It is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. You ever try to tell someone about Jesus? Like, yo, God. And they're like, yeah, I don't get it. I don't see it. I don't see it. I mean, it's blinded. It says that they are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. If we turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, chapter 10, verse 3 and 5, it says, We are human, but we do not wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. What the enemy is doing, what the enemy does. She was about to take Damien's spot today. And (laughs) what what the enemy does is that he establishes strongholds in people's minds. This is where the battle takes place. Pastor, what exactly is a stronghold, though. I'm glad you asked, Caesar. So, so a stronghold, <laughs> a stronghold at ancient times, right? In ancient times, a stronghold was this big, mighty fortress. So if there was a wealthy city, a wealthy village, a wealthy town, and they had the means to do it as far as people and, and, and money, they would build a stronghold to protect their city. It was like, a, it was like a, a fortress that they were built. Some were in forms of towers, like, you know, like the walls were built with, like, towers built into them, right? You guys seen movies where, like, they go to attack a city and, like, they're, like, people running inside the walls and stuff like that, right, of the city? The, the, this stronghold were these structures and the, these walls and fortresses built to protect the city. They were very difficult to overtake. Usually those that had these strongholds would survive many battles. They would, become, they, they would, they would you know, be able to protect their people. As it applies to you and me today, what a stronghold is, is a system of belief that has been constructed in your mind, right, that goes against the truth of God and his word. It's a system of belief that somehow was developed or constructed in your mind, inside your brain, that goes against the truth of God. 
And as we know, strongholds are very difficult to overcome. So once these systems have been constructed in your mind that go against the Word of God, now we have to tear them down, and it's not easy. Sometimes it's not even for you to even realize that they're there. From the time you are born, the enemy seeks to build strongholds from the time that you are born. Church, this is why it's so important that we protect our children. It's so easy to tell a child that you're not worth anything and for them to believe it and then grow up their whole lives thinking they're not worth anything. Do you understand that? That's why you could tell a kid that they're, that they're you, you, you could tell a child how, how strong they are and how amazing they are, and then you have these little uh, 11-year-old boys in front of the mirror like, ah, remember, like, you know, it's all bone, right? Because you've convinced them that they're amazing, they're unstoppable. But you can, do, you, can, you can speak life into your children or you can speak death into your children. We have to guard our children from what they see on TV. Because even TV is trying to tell our children what to be, how to act, how to live. And much of what we see on TV definitely is not aligned with the Word of God. The education that they're receiving. We have to be aware of what they're learning in school. They spend more time with their teachers than they do with you. They do. School is important. What they're learning in school is important. Their, the enemy has been seeking to establish strongholds since the day someone is born. And he will not stop trying. Now, I want you guys to know that having a stronghold in your life does not mean that you're demon-possessed. Because then people are like, oh, there's a stronghold. I must have a bunch of demons. No, I'm not, it doesn't necessarily mean that you are demon-possessed. What it means is that the enemy has been successful in latching on to a particular area of your mind. He has... He has established influence in an area of your mind. Some of you guys are like, well, I still don't get it. I'm going to give you some examples of some strongholds. Let's start with the number one. I think people, everyone has experienced at some point in their life, right? Fear. Fear can lead to many things. Fear is a stronghold. Do you know we're not supposed to be afraid? Do we know that the Bible says that fear, anybody knows where? It doesn't come from God. We don't serve a God that gives us fear. Fear does not come from God. And so if we are experiencing fear, then that is a stronghold of the enemy in your life. Now, let me explain something. I know to be scared here and there is not one thing, but some people live in fear. And that leads to anxiety. Fear, anxiety, all these disorders that are coming up, a lot of it is rooted in fear. And then, and then it leads to obsessive worrying. Oh, but you got to worry about some things. Listen, some people worry about everything. You can't live like that. Be free in the name of Jesus, please. 
You worry about everything, and it sucks the joy out of your life. God is here. He wants to pour joy into your life. He wants you to experience a joyful life. Even though we are in a war zone, he still wants you to have a joyful life. And I'm going to tell you right now, when we worry and we have this obsessive worrying, then it robs you of joy. Did you know how many people suffered anxiety and depression through 2020 and 2021? Why? Because all of a sudden, there was fear, fear, fear. Don't go outside. Don't touch nothing. Don't talk to nobody. Don't do this. Don't do this. You're going to die. You're going to die. You're going to die. You're going to die. I mean, every, I mean, everywhere you look, if I go here, I, I, can, I can get sick and die. If I go here, I get sick and die. I can't even talk about, you know, there were, I, I mean, it, 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 it was a real thing. People, we lost family and friends through it, but it also, it also instilled fear in so many people and people to this day have not gone over that stronghold of fear. To this day, people are still struggling with that. And that's just one example. That's just, that's just one example. That, that's, yeah, I know. Let's, let's, let's not go there. I, I agree with you, brother. I agree with you. I agree with you. It's, it's deeper. Confusion is a stronghold. Confusion is a stronghold in our life. What confusion does, it causes this double-mindedness. You say one thing, you do another. I'll be there, and then you're not. I got you, and then I don't. It says, it says I'm strong, but then the next day I'm weak. Confusion is a stronghold in your mind where one day you may think one thing, another day you think you don't know what to think. Confusion causes a restlessness. Oh, what do I do? Where do I go? I don't know. This is that. Blah, blah, blah. Does anybody know about somebody like that? Can never make a decision? I'm not talking about girls when you ask them what they want to eat. That, I'm not, that's just how it's always going to be for the rest of the life. Babe, what do you want to eat? I don't know. Okay, let's eat this. No, I don't want that. Okay, let's eat this. No, I don't want that. Let's, well, then you know what you want to eat, obviously. Oh, Exactly. Guys, can I tell you what the secret is? The secret is just don't eat them. They'll decide. They'll decide. You know what? We're not going to die if you miss a meal. What do you want to eat? I don't know. All right, let me know when, you, when, you, let me know when you're ready. Oh, she'll, find, she'll be ready eventually when she gets hungry. <laughs> not you, babe. You always pick, you, you know. <laughs> confusion we see it in today confusion is such a stronghold oh my gosh I'm, let's see i, I don't want to get stuck on here forever listen we see it today we got people and they don't even know what gender they are they don't know what sexual preference they want to be that you see they they're confused with what they're seeing on tv and what their parents might be telling them what the word is saying versus what they're seeing in the street. There's what the word says, but yet what is being celebrated in the world. There is sin everywhere. But when we celebrate sin, when we celebrate it and want everyone to accept sin, our kids are growing up like, but daddy, I, I don't get it. It says that a man, God made Adam and Eve. But this TV show has two mommies, and this TV show has two daddies, 
and this and that. And, and they said that we have to, especially if, and if they're not in a Christian school, they said we have, to, we have to not only tolerate, we have to embrace, we have to support. We have to, they're being taught these things. And they're confused. The enemy will use that stronghold of confusion to destroy your child's life. There's despair. Despair, a stronghold of despair makes you feel like your life is worth nothing. I'm nobody. I'll never be nobody. I'm not as good as that person or as good as that person or I'm not as smart as she is or I'm not as, as talented as he is. And, and all of a sudden, despair will, will just do so many things. It will lead you down the rabbit hole. It will eventually end up in suicidal thoughts, suicidal tendencies. We have addictions as another stronghold. And yes, we know the drugs and alcohol are the obvious addictions, but they're not the only addictions. There's addictions to all sorts of things. Oh, somebody said gossip back there. Somebody said gossip. Nah, the Lord said it. Some people are addicted to gossip. They just can't, yo. Yo, did you just hear what happened? Oh, oh, I'm not gossiping. I'm just telling you so that you can pray for your sister. I'm not gossiping. I'm just letting you know what they're going through so that you could pray for them. <laughs> gossip. You could be addicted to gossiping. You could be addicted to lust. You could be addict. You could be. You could be addicted to. Oh. You could be addicted to praise and attention. Especially in the world that we live in now, right? I'm not saying selfies are bad. I'm not saying. I'm not saying. I'm just saying that some people are addicted to attention and praise. Look at me. Tell me how good I am, Mike. Go ahead. Tell me how good I am. Tell, you tell me how good I did that day. Tell, and it's about me. How good did I do? What did I say? How, was it good? Oh, this is, and, and they live their lives based on wanting everyone's attention and praise. And then the second they don't get it, social media, instant. Living for the likes. That could be a whole series right there. Living for the likes. All right, we can go on, but y'all get the point. Strongholds. Y'all get the point. How do strongholds get there? How do we how do we how do these strongholds get there? Oh man, let's speed this up. (laughs) Satan's primary weapon of attack. How does the strongholds get there in the first place? How does he attack us? How does he infiltrate our minds? How does he get through? The attacks come in forms of temptation, right? One of the forms of attacks come from temptation, and we all are tempted daily, so don't try to be like, oh, I was never tempted. I'm always good. No, you're not. You get tempted. Temptation is a reality in this war. We all go through it. Jesus went through it. He was tempted. Hebrews chapter 4, 15 says, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but it was all but was in all points tempted as we were, yet without sin. So it's letting us know that Jesus himself, the Son of God, was tempted. And it says in all points. So we know where he was tempted in the scripture when he was in the desert and and Satan came. But according to this verse, he was tempted in all points. See, this is one of those Bible study discussions. Well, okay, we're not going to get into it right now. All points. Just know, any temptation that you may face, he was tempted in all points. That's why 
um, we don't have, we don't follow a Lord. We don't, we don't have a Savior that doesn't sympathize. He knows what we're going through. He understands. Oh, nobody knows what I'm going through. Nobody. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Shut up. <laughs> no, no, no. He knows. He knows. All right. Um, temptation is defined as an incitement to sin, right? As something that attracts. Um, the way I like to read it, though, I saw this in, in something I read, and, and I have to re- read because it's like perfect for our spiritual war, right? This guy, I didn't quote him, but he, he, te- he defined it as an attempted incursion, an invasion, an attack by enemy troops into God's territory with a view to gaining control and establishing a stronghold, a full-blown attack on your mind. And if you let the enemy in, if you fall to that temptation, you give the enemy a a foothold and he'll turn it into a stronghold. We know that by drugs, right? If you know those that are drug addicts were never always a drug addict. It started with one temptation to do drugs the first time, and then it became an addiction. Because the enemy got in there, and he's like, oh, now I'm going to make this a stronghold. And it turned into addiction. John 10.10 says that the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. Whenever you give him temptation, no matter how tiny, no matter how small, no matter how uh, insignificant it may seem, you lose something. You lose something. Something stolen. Something is killed. Something is destroyed. Because that's his sole mission. That's his mission. Let's take a look at the passage in the Bible that gives us a clear insight on the process of temptation. Genesis 3, 1. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had, of the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? So the first insight in this one verse that we see here is we see that we, uh, the word uses, the, uh, he, he describes the serpent as shrewd. Shrewdest of all the wild animals. A lot of the other translations use the word cunning, right? And what that means is crafty or sneaky. Abigail's got this new thing, right? And Abigail, right? Sneaky. She's got this thing where she wants to sneak around the house to see if she can scare us. She wants to sneak everywhere, right, to see if she can, like, hide and blend in. Well, the, the enemy, the serpent, was uh, sneaky and subtle. Temptation can be sneaky and subtle. Ever been tempted to dive into the deep end of a pool while you don't know how to swim? Anybody? Anybody been tempted to dive into the deep end and you don't know how to swim? Okay. All right, nobody. Anybody been tempted to, <laughs> to race a police car when you pull up next to them? Outside of- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyone ever been tempted to open the emergency door on a plane while in flight? Anybody? (laughs) We laugh about these things, but these things, mostly none of us will be ever tempted to think that way, right? Because we know better. You know, we know better. We're not going to do something like that. We we understand that. That That's not sensible. It just makes no sense. But let me remind you that Satan doesn't attack us in the area of our strength or sense at times. If you despise alcohol, the enemy will never tempt you with alcohol. You understand that? 
If you hate alcohol, even if you tasted it, you're like, then you will never be tempted to drink. So he will never use that temptation to try to establish a stronghold in your mind. But if you did take a sip of something and it tasted good to you, then guess what? You're going to go to a party and they're going to have the same exact drink. That you taste it. You're like, oh, I know how that tastes. That tastes real good. And you're going to be tempted because you liked it. The enemy's not going to tempt you in something that he knows that you have no attraction to, that you know that, he, that you have no desire for. He's not going to tempt you. He's not going to waste his time on that. So what he does is he waits. He watches. He studies you. And he can see where you are weak and where you are strong. And the temptations come in the areas of your weakness. Peter gives us advice. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Again, we hear this stay alert, stay alert, stay alert. Before you know it, the enemy is right at your door. Some of you guys have heard the story, but not everybody because we have some new people. So at least I know Toria, you haven't heard this story. All right? So I was in the Marines, right? And we were doing a training exercise. And, uh, <laughs> and we were doing this training exercise. Oh, I don't think, Felicia, you didn't hear this either. So good, good. Um, so, so I was digging foxholes, right? And a foxhole is like, you know, you're, you're in it. Like, it's like six feet deep. And we were in a simulated war, and I have my weapon, and I'm with somebody, and we're supposed to alternate at night taking naps, naps, naps. One person sleeps, one person is alert. One person sleeps, one person is alert. Well, it was my time to be alert. But it was late. It was dark. We had worked so hard building this hole in the ground. So I fell asleep. I fell asleep. But I fell asleep pretending like I was alert. You know, because I know that the drone instructors have been watching. They were watching, right? So I kind of fell asleep with my rifle like this, and I put my helmet down, and I was like this. So it looked like I was awake, but I was knocked out. <laughs> and I figured they'd leave me alone, and they didn't. I woke up because I had my fingers on the weapon like this, and the drone instructor stepped on my weapon. Like, he stepped on it. And when he stepped on it, it means that my hand was pressed against the ground. So, like, I have the weapon in between the, you know, like my hand and his. So he's stepping on it, and he's putting pressure on my fingers, and my fingers are digging into the hard dirt. So I wake up to that. I wake up to that. And then when I look up, he smacks my helmet off with a stick that he had or something, right? And it was like, oh, by the way, you're dead. And then he moves on to the next fighting, to where he's going. If we are not alert, we will die. We die. And not only that, because of me not being alert, not only did I die, but my buddy died. Do you know that that relates sometimes in our families, right? High priests of your home, don't fall asleep because your home could be impacted by that, not just you. Um, second insight we see is that he spoke to the woman. Why did Satan speak to the woman? Don't say it, some guys. Don't say it. Get in trouble here. Some of y'all was about to say, well, no, 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 no. We don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. We don't know why he spoke to a woman. But you know what? There's some ideas of why. There's some ideas. 
Let's take a look at this. Genesis 2, 8, uh, 15 to 18 says, The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, You may freely eat of the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are surely to die. Then the Lord said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper who is just right for him. And he made him a woman. That's why we know that the right helper for a man is a woman. In case you guys don't know, right? A man and a woman. Now, notice something here. Adam received God's instructions, not Eve. God spoke to Adam directly and gave him instructions. Then he created the woman, which means that the information that she had was passed down by Adam. So she had secondhand information. I'm getting somewhere with this. She had secondhand knowledge of God's word. Secondhand knowledge of God's word must be checked out. So this is what I was talking about earlier. Like you guys got to check on your own. Remember? This is why you should bring your own Bible to church. This is why, this is why you should take notes when I'm speaking to you right now. So you can write down some of the points that I make and then go check it against the Bible to make sure that I'm not lying to you, to make sure that I'm not deceiving you, to make sure that I'm not just telling you things that you might like to hear. Check it. Check it. I won't be offended. As a matter of fact, you will, you will not offend me by checking uh, the, uh, what I have to say against the Scriptures. As a matter of fact, I'll sit back and be proud. I'm like, oh, look Look at Rachel checking those scriptures. I'll be proud. I'll be proud. I'm not, I'm not going to be offended. You got to be careful. <laughs> you got to be careful when the sermon has no verses in it. I remember when I first started preaching, when I first started preaching, um, there was a, a, an older minister in my dad's church, and I asked him for advice because he was a good teacher. Remember Pedro? He was a good teacher, good teacher. And I said, so what's the advice? He's like, He's like, the main, the main thing is you want to have at least three scriptures to, to, to back the message. You want, he goes, at least three, always at least three to back your message. That was the bare minimum. But, you, but you, sometimes you open with one and you never go back to the Bible again. You got to be careful with people that preach messages without the word of God. You really got to be careful about that. Acts chapter 17, verse 11 says, The people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. They find they, uh, and they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the Scriptures day after day to see if Paul was teaching the truth. And this is Paul we're talking about. They fact-checking Paul. The board doesn't say that, that, that you know, um, they suffer from unbelief. Matter of fact, the word is commending them for this action. Doesn't matter how good the preaching may be, you'll never get by by secondhand knowledge of God. 
This, this, this is important because this is, this is going to head in a direction that we're not going to get to today. Don't worry. We're not going to do it today. We're going to pick it up next week. But we're heading in a direction where the serpent got to Eve and he began to tempt Eve. But why did he go to Eve? Eve did not have firsthand knowledge of God's word. She was given some direction from Adam and Adam told them that God said it. She didn't have that direct conversation with God about that. And so therefore her response is one that's usually of something that you hear, that you hear, that you hear. Some of us are repeating snippets from Instagram and Facebook of what we hear, we hear, we hear, and we don't have first-hand knowledge of the, God, of the Word of God. We hear second and third and fourth-hand knowledge, and you guys remember the game Whisper Down the Lane, right? By the time it gets to you, it's a whole nother thing. You need to check it against the Word yourself. You need to. You need to. Jesus knew the scriptures very well, and so does our enemy, Satan. And he also knows that the weak ones, the vulnerable ones, are ones that see the word of God like a book. It's just not a book. It's just a book. Some people don't realize that it is the word of God. It's not just a book. It is God's word. It's like if he's here and he's speaking to you through this, these letters. The serpent went to the woman to find out what she knew. And he was pleasantly surprised by her response, right? He questioned her. Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Did he really say that? Are you sure? He said you can't eat from any of the But did you hear his question? He said, did God really tell you you couldn't eat of any of the fruit? You see how he started the conversation? He knew it was just one tree. But he said, oh, you can't eat. Did he really say you can't eat of any of the fruit? Are you sure? This is a great tactic of the enemy as we continue about tactics. The enemy will undermine the authority of God's word. He will undermine the authority of God's word by questioning it continually and sowing seeds of doubt. Did God really say that? Remember, he's a thief. And if he sows enough doubt in your life, it is easy to steal the truth out of your heart. There was a experiment there was an experiment on TV uh, on a TV show years ago and um, they got six people together and they had like a board and it had like like five or six lines written on the board different sizes and before the experiment started they took five out of the six and they said listen we know that you know which one is the longest, but you're going to pick one. You're going to pick this one, the wrong one. So they told five people to pick the wrong one. And then they started the experiment. So here's the first guy. They didn't talk to him. And he's like, oh, that's easy. This is the longest line right here. And then he stepped off. And then the second guy was like, ah, uh, this is the longest line right there. And then the guy was like, what's this guy's doing? How do we pick that guy, a line? 
The, second, the third guy came, picks the same one that the second one picked. So now the first guy is like, wait, what's going on here? The fourth and the fifth all picked the same line that, contra, that, was contra, uh, that was different from the one that the first guy picked. It caused such doubt and confusion in the first man's mind that he went back and changed his answer. He changed his answer. If you sow enough doubt and you undermine a person's confidence in the truth, which is, this is how Satan works. This is how he works. Those most vulnerable are those who don't know the word of God. Did God really say that Christ is the only means to salvation? Did God really say that? I mean, what if I'm just good? What if I just do things like, you know, I'm nice to people. If I don't cheat, if I don't lie, I could probably get to heaven. I mean, because did God really just say, did God really say that Jesus Christ is the only means to salvation? Did God really say that I should love him with all my heart? Because, you know, that's a lot of my heart. I mean, if I love him a little bit or I love him enough, it's the same. Did he really mean that? We need to have absolute confidence in God's word. If we have unshakable faith in God's word, we will never be at the mercy of our enemy. Do you understand that? If you know the word of God, you won't be at the mercy of your enemy. I don't want to live at the mercy of my enemy. Do you know what that means? Therefore, I need to know God's word. We're going to stop here next week. I know we're going to continue where we left off, and, and, and we're going to hear Eve's response to his question. And we're going to hear how her response to his question leads to her fall. But I want us to, I want us to just reflect on the things that we talked about today. We talked about strongholds. Church, strongholds are a real thing, and, and many of us currently are, have strongholds that we are aware of. Some of us are standing here this morning. We know the strongholds in our life. We know the strongholds in our lives, and we want to pray with you this morning. If you are aware of the areas in your life where the enemy has kind of like tapped into, where the enemy has you and you just can't stop, or no matter how hard you try, or no matter how hard you want to make think happy thoughts, you're always fighting against this negative uh, feeling, these thoughts of, uh, of, 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 of failure, these thoughts of worthlessness, these suicidal thoughts, all these things, we want to pray with you this morning because you cannot leave the same. You are in a place right now, you are here right now, and you are, have brothers and sisters that want to pray with you because there is a God that can change you forever, and he wants to. 